Hello. I'm Julian. And I am Tom. We are Team Binge, and we are here once again to talk about a television show. Tom, what television show are we here to talk about? This is exciting. Brand new television show. We are covering The Last of Us. Did you say The Last of Us? The Last of Us, correct. Oof. Did you watch something else? I have been watching This Is Us, which (laughs) I was... Yeah, there's these pressure cookers in... (laughs) Anyways. No, I watched The Last of Us. We watched episode one, which is called When You're Lost in the Darkness. Mm Mm-hmm. Can you finish that line? When you're lost in the darkness, look towards the light. Yes, I think that's what it is. Well done. Oh, man. Look I for the light, it. maybe. I don't think it's towards, but I'll give it to you. Tom, just so you know, this is not a trivia episode. This oh, is, not yet? Okay. No, we're not doing trivia on this yet. Thank you for joining us. We know it's been a little bit of a hiatus, but we've been waiting for Ted Lasso Season 3. And still no word. So, (laughs) since we are lost in the darkness, waiting for the light that is Ted Lasso, we've decided to do this show, which Tom has a great affinity towards, and I am learning to love, much Mm -hmm. like someone who has been married for years and years and years. But, (laughs) Tom, give me your history of The Last of Us. Now that I made the This Is Us joke, I'm going to keep having to really focus to not say that so help me out you know this show and what it's based on give us Mm -hmm. your history please sir yeah so i have played through this game multiple times uh the last of us which was a playstation exclusive so it's one of those where i ended up purchasing a playstation uh not specifically for this game but um really played ultimately probably two or three games on playstation this being one of them was the first game I think I had ever played where I finished the main story and immediately hit new game. I wanted the experience again. It was a game that was so engrossing, such an amazing story, and was so happy to hear that they were making it. Certainly trepidatious because um, as somebody that already has an affinity for the characters, I kind of feel like I know them already. All the casting news and everything, you're always kind of like, ah, can they fill the shoes of all these characters? And I can say from, from my side, in my opinion, they absolutely crushed it. The acting is phenomenal. The The production is incredible. And I'm not sure if I wrote down his name, but the lead kind of showrunner was the same gentleman that did, I think it's Craig Muniz or something like that. He's the same guy that did Chernobyl, which if you've seen that yep. sh- uh, show was, again, brilliantly uh, created and, and done. And this follows a lot of those kind of same beats with the cinematography and, and layout of the show. So super cool. And I'm excited to watch this with you because you have no background in this. So whereas I know probably a lot of the kind of main beats that's going to happen in the story, especially in this pilot episode, very interested to talk through with you and see how a lot of these elements hit you. Yeah, no, I'm excited to be... I mean, typically I'm the guy that's in the room that knows everything, you know? I'm, I, I know what's happening, I'm really well informed, so it's interesting for me to take on a show like this where I am the one that's lost in the darkness looking for your light being knowledge. I'm not going to do the thing where if you're joining us for the first time, I mentioned that we're talking about uh, a, a certain show, but I do want to point out this show is on HBO, mm-hmm. and so that is important because... My history with HBO is that they typically don't miss and they do these very well. They put the money into it. 
And so, especially for their Sunday night shows, Mm -hmm. which historically has been like the Game of Thrones, I'm sure the Sopranos, that like Sunday evening viewing, they typically hold for their marquee. And so it's cool that they took a video game adaption and made it that. I hope they can fill the shoes of the Mortal Kombat movies, the (laughs) Street Fighter movies, the Sonic the Hedgehog movies, all of those. I'm sure I speak for everyone when I say they were instant classics, much beloved, and the amount of awards they won hopefully will be topped by, I almost said this is us. I should not have made that joke. It's going to kill me. But it's very true, right? Because... There's always been the stigma with video games and trying to change mediums in movies or TV shows. It's been done for a lot of really critically acclaimed games, but this one I think does stand above the rest in terms of the story and we'll be able to experience it throughout this season. And I think a lot of viewers that are new to the franchise saw it here where video games are capable of telling incredible, amazing stories. Um, it's not, this game is clearly has a lot of violence. Um, and I think they kind of bring that back a little bit for the show because obviously to move forward in a video game, you have to have violence. You have to have action with your characters in most of these scenes. Um, but what this show does is it pulls back some of that violence and brings in more of the character drama. And we get more backstory for um, a handful of characters like Sarah, for example, Joel's daughter, uh, as, well, as well as some of the other characters that we'll kind of talk through for this first episode. It's, it's taking already great source material molding it without trying to revamp it and so far so good well and correct me if i'm wrong you're the one that played it but isn't like the main thing that everyone raves about this video game is the storytelling and the narrative Mm -hmm. and that is already developed so moving it into a, a tv show seems to be an easy transition where and it's forgivable Mortal Kombat is a video game, not much of a story, you know? So no. for someone to try and create... And wait, did who did the most recent Mortal Kombat TV show? Was that HBO? I think that I think was it HBO. Was. Right? It got released, released on HBO for sure, yeah. All right, well, pause this podcast. Tom and I are going to go record <laughs> a Mortal Kombat HBO podcast. Maybe I'm going to regret everything I've just said, but no. <laughs> Having watched this first episode, definitely enjoyed it. I'm excited to talk about it with you. It's a little bit different from the other stuff we've done. Uh, those of you that are somehow stumbled across this for the first time, uh, our backlog is Ted Lasso, Outer Range, 1899, The After Party, uh, which skew from weird sci-fi westerns to <laughs> lovable uh, soccer shows. So... This one's going to be interesting, and um, I will be interested in your insight. And I think right off the bat, this thing was pretty successful, which I think when you and I talked about the show, I was a little bit confused as to what the popularity of this would be. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty sure they kicked off with uh, with a bang, right? Yeah, from what I read, this has been the third largest series debut that HBO has ever had uh, with about 4.7 million viewers on Sunday. I think it's just behind both the Game of Thrones and then the spinoff House of the Dragon. So and that's like, I think in kind of the streaming era. And if you look at all the different reviews through all these different websites and Rotten Tomatoes and everything, it's been 
very, very, very well received. And we're obviously just seeing the first episode here, but from what I, and I haven't read too far into it, but granted, I already know a lot of the story, a lot of the further episodes and character building and everything seems like this is really a home run of a show. Sure, sure. Very popular. And as Oscar Wilde said, anything that's popular is wrong. So <laughs> let's be wrong together, Tom. We're going to deep dive into this. It was tough to break this episode into scenes, so we're going to go through it. And I think it had kind of distinct parts. It was like mm-hmm. a setup of, hey, get to know these characters, an introduction, and then everything goes bad, and then <laughs> 20 years later. So mm-hmm. we're going to dive into that and talk about the parts we liked. Tom, I'm going to lean on you heavily, buddy, to paint <laughs> inside the lines and give us a little bit more detail that I can't provide. But I do appreciate any type of show that starts with a weird PBS news program <laughs> of three actors that I recognize. And I'm like, oh, I know all these guys and I'm assuming will not show back up in this, <laughs> this show. But they're kind of giving us a very simple runabout of, hey, the thing the world should fear the most, guess what we're foreshadowing here is... You know, not necessarily this type of disease, but they're talking about fungi, mm-hmm. which is the plural of fungus, maybe. I don't know. Yep. I'm not a scientist. <laughs> and every actor in the scene is great. They're all, I don't know if you ever watched, did you ever watch Hell or High Water? No. So, like, I know two of the actors. I didn't know, like, the big lumbering guy kind of in the middle. What is he from? Is so that Hell or High he's, Water? He's from Hell or High Water, which was a show about the building of the railroad across the West after the Civil War. And he is, like, a big bad who is always there to foil, and he's cruel, and he's terrible. But that actor is great. <laughs> and then the other guys, I thought of him from The Mummy. Did you... <laughs> The guy that gives the explanation on fungi. Yeah, and it's so, so brilliantly delivered. But yeah, John Hanna, I know him more, certainly from The Mummy is the, my first um, inkling in his work, but I know him a lot from Spartacus, that star show that they did probably, gosh, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Um, he kind of played like the main guy that led all the different uh, gladiators and everything. He did a really, really cool job in that show, but just crushes it in this little monologue that he gives. I loved it. Tom, if you don't think I had a piloted, well, piloted, pirated copy of (laughs) the season of Spartacus on a hard drive as I was traveling uh, in my younger years, then actually can Fedra come after me if I admit to having a pirated version of a Starz TV show? I didn't realize they did a pirate (laughs) spinoff. No, no. Sorry, I get that wrong. That's called The the Black Sail, which is a different Starz. Mm -hmm. Uh, Spartacus type and then (laughs) the other guy in this scene is the young CW from uh, Mythic Quest that's who I thought of him as (laughs) yeah I think it's Josh Breener or Brenner Uh, I know more for as Big Head from Silicon Valley but again great great character and does a great job of kind of hosting these guys and they're like guess what everyone should be afraid of fungi they're bad and I think We are recording this just for anyone who, if it's like 2050 and you're listening to us talk, uh, God bless. We are doing this in 2023 where we, I will say, got out of the peak of a pandemic, we'll Mm -hmm. say. And so I think them talking about this hits a little bit harder knowing Mm -hmm. what happened over the last couple of years i think if you don't do and maybe that's part of the reason why i don't know i don't know when this was like scheduled for production when they picked this up for 
a show, but I, I do think this scene and the way they exp- they explain what a pandemic is, and we as an audience <laughs> yeah. are like, yeah, no, we're familiar. We're, we get it. We yeah. And that's what the big guy was kind of like saying, like that is the big threat to humanity. And it's like, yes, sure. And I'm like, that's why I love like John Hanna, where he kind of comes in and says, yes, that will kill millions and, and millions of people, uh, but we'll survive and we'll get through it. Whereas this kind of cordyceps or, or fungal infection is is completely different. And I think he even kind of mentions the idea of like climate change, which I know you think is still a big hoax, but the idea that the fungi can uh, evolve um, if the world gets a little bit hotter, which I thought was another kind of cool little ad. But but this whole bit, um, and I, I listened to some of the creators talk through some of this content, and apparently this whole bit was never intended to be in the show. They had they had kind of written this up and, and thought about putting it in, but ultimately skipped it. But then once they finished kind of the whole series and they kind of jumped off with the current opening that they had uh, kicking off in 2003, they kind of realized they needed something to kind of kickstart the show and give a little bit more backstory because none of this is in the games. In the games, you just kind of start and there's an outbreak and you don't really know the origins of it. So going a little bit deeper with this, I thought was a, a brilliant ad. Sure. I think it's helpful. I don't know that it's absolutely necessary, but I think mm-hmm. there are members of the audience watching The Last of Us that that need it, and I'm glad they put it in there, if not just to see three actors that I like do a weird... <laughs> and yeah. I love how he hams for the camera. The host yeah. keeps like <laughs> cracking jokes about yeah. things that are going to kill us all, and he's <laughs> smoking and staring into the... Man, TV was just better back then. <laughs> We go from there, and then we get the intro scene, and I don't know what it is, Tom. I feel like every show that's like a prestige show uses the same people to do their intro. <laughs> it's it's They all have, like, this feels to me very similar to Game of Thrones, very similar to 1899. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I liked it. I enjoyed it. I don't know. Is it, does it have roots in the game? Does it have fungi in the game? <laughs> it does actually the the same exact music and not the same art similar art i think it's all black and white in the game's intro but they're kind of doing the intro credits for the game while showing this fungi like um, expand and take over the world and all this kind of stuff it's pretty cool and i think there's like some symbolism throughout like where the fungi raises up into like city kind of showing how this started in cities around the world um, eventually shows like kind of an outline of the u.s and then at the very end i think you can even see like two little fungi kind of pop up in the middle which kind of symbolize joel and ellie so really cool um, take on the opening credits from the game sure they're showing like the stuff grow and one is like a profile of a skull uh, yeah, or, that's or cool a face too. that mm-hmm. was very cool I mean, I'm I'm not knocking it. It just has a very vibe, like same vibe. Agreed. Yeah. As a lot of these shows, which I'm, you know, if it works, it works. Mm-hmm. What they, what I really like when they do, is when they do a like slow motion version of a pop song. They typically save <laughs> those for previews. But anyways, Correct. I digress. <laughs> we open in 2003, and we get the establishing of characters. And I felt like this whole beginning section, as a show should do, and this show does well, is it's like, here's who these people are, like, learn who they are and start to care about them mm-hmm. so that we can destroy you emotionally. <laughs> yes, now, for sure. 2003, obviously, when the whole uh, 
zombie fungi thing kicked off. Tom, who were you in 2003? Let's get who Tom was in 2003. Gosh, man. I was uh, some high school nerd. Good. Glad we did that. All right. We've (laughs) established you as a character, and now we care about you. Our main (laughs) characters are Joel Miller. Great name. In fact, very similar to just realizing now. Anyways, it's a great name. And Joel Miller... Our main character, I believe, I don't know, I haven't played the game, he may die in episode two, <laughs> is played by one Pedro Pascal. Mm-hmm. You, I feel like you turned me on to Pedro Pascal is the wrong phrasing, but you introduced <laughs> me to Pedro Pascal, which then turned me on to Pedro Pascal. Where, <laughs> which, is your, which, which is natural. Which is natural. It's a natural what, reaction. What's your history with Pedro Pascal? I mean, I think he's he's clearly a, a phenomenal actor, and but I think he got his big break on Game of Thrones. Like he played the Red Viper, and he came in. I think I don't know what season it was on Game of Thrones, but it was a brand new season where they kind of brought in the Martells, and he just stole and chewed up every scene that he was in, and just incredible. And spoiler alert: like once he kind of got killed off on that show, I just Oof. made his mythos just so much more awesome right um and i think from there he did what narcos what i think is one of his follow-up shows which was really really cool talk about the story of of uh, pablo escobar but again we'll watch anything that gets in he's phenomenal yeah he does a great job in this other people mainly uh our cousin would know him from burn notice and <laughs> then i have a special place and i tweeted this out on our team bitch uh, tweeter is he <laughs> The cast of Community, a TV show that I love and that I think Tom has some affection for. (laughs) Yep. They did a table read during the pandemic, and because no one likes Chevy Chase because he's a jerk, (laughs) they had Pedro Pascal stand in and read, and he couldn't get through the the scene because he was laughing so hard. (laughs) And it is on YouTube. I would encourage all of you to go watch Pedro Pascal do a table read with the cast of community if you've seen this tv show okay so here's what i'd like you to do go watch all six seasons of community (laughs) and then go on youtube and watch that table read and it will make your day (laughs) but i think i was first introduced him in narcos and he's he's great he also mandalorian he's in the mandalorian he's often wearing a helmet Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah good to uh good to have him there and we meet his daughter who is sarah miller Mm-hmm. And she is played by Nico Parker. Mm-hmm. And Nico Parker looked very familiar because she is the daughter of Thandie Newton of Mission Impossible 2 fame. Mm-hmm. Boom. Nailed it, right? <laughs> I think I probably know her more from Westworld. And I believe you pronounce her name Tandy Way Newton. But man, like absolute spitting image of her mother, right? Yeah. Like when she came on screen, I was like, this has to be a relation. And yeah, sure enough. She does a great job because she carries like most of the weight of this first. So much. It's so much. Almost. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know what you know who comes back later on, but um, she carries a lot of the weight. And then we have Tommy Miller, her uncle, Joel's brother. Mm-hmm. I was not familiar with this actor. Were you? I haven't seen him from much, but yeah, it's Gabriel Luna. I think. My knowledge of the man came from Terminator. I think he was in one of the most recent remakes where he played like a new version of the T-1000. So sure. he was really cool in it. But I mean, he's a Terminator. He's very just one note running and looking 
menacing. See, I have trouble with this because you know where this story's going, so I can't ask if other if if people are going to come back uh, later. So I won't. I'll just I'll let it slide and I'll watch yeah. this as it goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are introduced by this. Um, we we get a whole family breakfast scene, which everyone loves, and mm-hmm. it does make you kind of like these characters just a little bit. We yeah. do get the token combat vet bumper sticker, which shows like to do <laughs> whenever we need to. It's like, oh, when you were in Helmand, or they they just drop one thing, like, oh, my third tour, and you're like, okay, that guy knows how mm-hmm. to shoot someone. And mm-hmm. this <laughs> this part is always played by John Barenthal. That's what I thought <laughs> when I saw this guy. Obviously, John Barenthal is probably not going to be playing a like small part in a show like this, um, but uh, he was the John Barenthal of this show. Yeah, I can definitely see that. That could be good casting as well. Yeah. I think one thing to note right now after we kind of meet these these three main characters is this opening takes place in 2003, but in the video game it's actually 10 years earlier than this because this is actually the 10-year anniversary of when the video game came out. So the time jump of 20 years is still the same, but I think all this actually happened in like 1993 in the game. So some of the references they have like in Sarah's room where she's got like a Destiny's Child poster and some other stuff in there. Um, they kind of play a little bit with it and kind of do a cool time jump. That way, once you kind of get to present, it's our present in 2023. Okay, okay. Well, then I'll redirect my question, Tom. In 1993, <laughs> who were you? <laughs> oh, man. I was just a, a little elementary school idiot. Or nerd, sorry. <laughs> Cut out idiot. <laughs> we got it. We got it. We've got the sound bite. All right, I'm glad we did that. We know so much more about you in 10-year increments. <laughs> we find out he's a hard-working dad. He's obviously making ends meet and not mm-hmm. afraid to work a double on his own birthday, which is <laughs> aggressive. We mm-hmm. also know that he's not a promise keeper. He's a promise breaker because he says, mm-hmm. I will bring home a cake, I promise. And yeah, he does not. But he loves mm-hmm. his daughter and... I do appreciate a kid that sneaks into their parents' room in order to take a watch to go get it fixed. That's kind of a resourceful <laughs> and kind gesture. So I'm I'm instantly in on Sarah Miller, and I hope she lives through this whole TV show. <laughs> Unfortunately. Uh, but I do like the way they set this up because they make it seem like, oh, she's just a teenager. She's going into her dad's room and stealing some money. and gonna. And they, even when they eventually get to the watch scene, you think she's going to pawn it. But she says, when the guy says, oh, 20. She's like, uh, is that it? And he's like, 30. But it kind of like plays on the idea of her selling it versus her actually paying to fix it. I thought it was pretty pretty cool. You know what's interesting is I, maybe I just missed it. I liked her from the beginning. So it didn't like occur to me that she was stealing money mm-hmm. or pawning the watch. I don't know how I missed that, but I assumed she was like doing something good with it the whole time. But now that you're saying it, I'm like, Oh yeah, that's what they were. That's what they were doing. Maybe it's because she's like helping him in the kitchen Mm -hmm. and and doing things and feeding him eggshells. I don't know. I (laughs) thought it was all right. Well, I missed that. So, and this, I'll I'll just say here too, and I'm not going to do this throughout. Um, but I'm, I'm sure there's a segment of our audience that has played the game and loved some of these Easter eggs, but if you like pause and look in her room, it's just loaded with Easter eggs from the game. And even this moment of her opening up the uh, dresser drawer to like find this watch and get cash. I mean, that is a staple of the game where you're just always trying to find resources. So you're opening oh, okay. up every drawer you can come across. So it's kind of a little nod to that. 
Um, there's like a birthday card that she made for her dad in the uh, game where she kind of picks it up and she's like, oh, I forgot to give this to dad. And you can see that exact same card on her desk in her room. There's just so much brilliant little added things that they, they put from the game to kind of pay homage to it. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun. So sure. for those of you that did would do the game, I'll try to point out a couple of them, but won't get too crazy. You can watch some YouTube videos to catch them all. Right. No, there's definitely that that level in the game where you're in the kitchen and one of you has to wash the plates, one of you makes the <laughs> eggs, and then the other person is like putting the eggs in the pan and you all have to work together, but you're mm-hmm. on like an air... Oh, that's overcooked. Never <laughs> yes. mind. Oh, man, we are terrible at that game. Speak. Oh, man, overcooked. Overcooked ends marriages, families, and friendships. That's what overcooked does. I, I, will, I will go out on a limb. Uh, anyways... A lot of tension in Overcooked, and speaking of tension, this show does a really good job of building it. Mm-hmm. Like, And maybe it's just because as a parent, and I know that's maybe a cop-out, but like anything that involves kids that like you know they are going slowly towards danger and it's mm-hmm. getting a little bit and if you you know you're paying attention to the show and it, they don't hide it, but like you can tell there is stuff happening in the background that is leading towards what we ultimately know mm-hmm. is going to be like the pressure cooker and this is us. It's going to lead to some <laughs> bad things. So I appreciated how they did this. Once again, it, I don't know. I think it's some shows do it poorly. This show does mm-hmm. it well in, in terms of building that and not like hitting you over the head with it. But mm-hmm. we have the watch repair interaction where – She's clearly getting it fixed, and I guess the spouse of that person comes out, and she's like, no, we're closing. you got to get out. Mm-hmm. We have the jets flying over. The one thing that every show has to do, and I love it, is the news has always got to be playing in the background, and they're like, <laughs> yeah. a strange disturbance in the park. Four people were <laughs> yeah. eaten by other people today. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so I appreciate all that happening and building in the background. I think there's some other stuff too, like when she's at school and there's she's like writing something down in her paper and then she gets like a reflection of light on her hand and she goes and looks at her classmate and her classmate's like bracelet is kind of like twitching, having muscle spasms, which later in the episode they show a sign that said like symptoms of the cordyceps virus is, uh, or cordyceps fungus, however you say it, um, is like twitching and of the hand. So I think there's even a bit more there. They even do a lot of like clock and timer stuff throughout this episode uh, or this sequence, which I think is cool. So it's almost like a countdown to when the world almost kind of comes to an end, like when they're making the cookies, um, when she's fixing the watch. They do a lot of a lot of that, which is is very clever and well played. Yep. Yep. When they're making the cookies and they're not making chocolate chip cookies like (laughs) any normal person would want. They're making raisin cookies and... (laughs) That was probably where the tension broke for me. I was like, no, no raisin cookies. Make chocolate chip, please. And thank you. Anyways, Sarah spends time with the neighbor. Once again, you're kind of like, okay, she's alone all day. So she goes over to the neighbor to do her homework and help out. Like, that's Mm -hmm. super sweet. I do appreciate Buddy Garrity uh, being in the show for half a second. Do you have any... Do you know who Buddy Garrity is, Tom? Is he like the old guy like feeding the the lady in the front yard? Yeah, I don't he's, know Buddy. Okay. He's from Friday Night Lights. He's a uh, he's gotcha. a big character in the TV show Friday Night Lights. Buddy Garrity, that actor's great. He's also in like The Leftovers. But anyways, I digress. The cool part 
during this whole sequence is she like borrows the DVD, she's leaving, and you see the old lady start to change in the background, and it's done so so well because you're focused on her. I don't think they try and hide it, but it is like it's not over the top, and you're like, oh no, is it going to happen right now? Please get out of that house. Please get out (laughs) of that house. You see her like because you know they've established this character is is you know can't really move is is deaf I think they even mentioned and when you see her mouth like start to open and it's all fuzzy in the background it's just so incredibly creepy and again with the music they do a really good job of kind of slowly building up and like something gonna happen and then boom she cuts away and just walks like oh can I borrow this DVD so so good let me say too the other really good part of this is like as she's walking away then you get that awesome uh, bit of the dog how the dog knows before anybody else does that hey something's going on and is just staring at the the old lady so so good see it seems like that that freaked me out when it's i don't know 11 o'clock at night and all of a sudden (laughs) my dog starts doing that to the back door (laughs) and i know nothing should be outside my back door (laughs) And that's why dogs are also creepy. (laughs) This is then where we separate from establishing to it all goes wrong. Mm -hmm. And does she go to sleep? Is that what happens here? Well, she comes home. Dad eventually comes home. Joel comes home at like 10. It's late. Um, I think they have the the back and forth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They watch the DVD. And again, the DVD is actually a call from the game. Uh, It's like a very specific one. I don't think I wrote it down. It's like Ninja Viper 2 or something. How is that part of the game? Explain. (laughs) I'm curious now. There's there's actually a lot, and I'm sure we'll see it later on, because the the whole idea is the world stopped on this day, right? Like, there's no movies, there's no new content. So, like, throughout the game, as you're walking through a mall or the city, you see billboards, and they all have, like, movie posters for these different things. So I think some of this is just kind of called to the game where they're talking about, oh, movies that Joel used to watch and used to talk about, and characters are, like, talking about their their affinity for kind of what was. So uh, I'm sure we'll see kind of more of it, and I'll kind of call it out as we go because there's, there's other movie references that the game loved to, to play on. Right. Joel has to go break Tommy out of uh, Disney jail. <laughs> and Sarah, she wakes up alone. Once again, they show the clock. I think it's like 2 a.m., 3 a.m., mm-hmm. something like that. She goes outside. There's a lot of stuff happening in terms of helicopters and distant sirens and lights. And so she wanders outside, and the neighbor's dog is <laughs> uh, in a state. And so she tries to take him back inside, and I wish she would not try and take that dog back inside the house. Well, I mean, she did turn on the TV, and the TV said, just stay inside. And what's the first thing this kid does? Goes outside goes to outside. get this dog and goes oh, to the neighbor's house. Okay, so you think you think Sarah got what she deserved, ultimately. That's Tom's stance. But she used poor judgment here. The TV is always right. If I learn anything about the internet and the TV... Okay, here's my take on this is when you walk into a neighbor's house and there is a large amount of blood that you step in on the floor, back up, back up, go find a phone and call the authorities. Uh, Instead, she walks in and there's Buddy Garrity saying, help me. And let me ask you this, Tom. Mm -hmm. Do these, I guess, lack of a better word, we're going to call them zombies. Mm-hmm. Do they have some sort of added strength to them? Is there a reason why Stout Buddy Garrity and his raisin cookie wife 
were <laughs> defeated by this old lady who atrophied in a wheelchair for a while. Yeah, I think the idea, and they kind of do it in that exposition in the beginning, is that the fungus kind of takes over your body and can control your limbs and do all this. So, yeah, the idea is it gives it, like, super strength. And you see later where some of these, like, zombies are running after, but they don't have, like, a lot of the coordination, so they're slipping and falling. Um, there's definitely a lot of that. But they do add some concepts um, that weren't in the game with specifically, like, the little tendrils that kind of come out of the mouth. Okay. Um, it's kind of neat if you like look at the cordyceps fungus that they kind of use as the stepping stone for this. The idea is like it takes over ants and certain insects and it will literally like force the insect to climb to the very top of a tree and then start growing its fungus all over it. So that way it can spew its spores and everything else all around and, and get higher. So that's kind of part of like the zombification of insects. So I mm. think what they're doing is they're playing on that and saying, you know, if you get bit in the towards the head you know you're going to turn quicker than if you get bit in the leg because the virus has got to travel up to your brain to kind of take over and then the idea of tendrils actually coming out of the mouth to make more of these fungi it's just super super creepy and a really cool addition it is it is certainly creepy that <laughs> is for sure there's another bit that they also kind of changed um, that as we kind of get further on but they there's a concept in the game called like spores so again a zombie would like push out i don't know just like floating specks of dust sure. or whatever and if you inhale that then you would get infected so i think they took that out of the series and i think the showrunners kind of said specifically in the game your character like put on a gas mask when you're entering these certain areas but they didn't want to have their characters constantly putting on masks and i think some of that concept and gameplay looks very similar to like the upside down from stranger things so with kind of like the floating specks and darkness mm -hmm. and everything so i think they, they stayed away from it and i think it's probably for the better it's more of a game mechanic than it needs to be for a show. Sure, sure, sure. So let me ask you, with this like tendril fun guy um, virus, fun guy virus, <laughs> um, how soon can we harness it in order to like create workers to work in um, <laughs> factories and stuff? Like, how quickly can we replace robots by just infecting our workers? Sorry. Sorry, I thought I was at work. I I apologize. I was trying to Six Sigma this um, zombie curse thing into. We wouldn't even have to pay benefits. Uh, we should get on this. Tom, we should get on this right now. I'll, I'll make a note. I mean, they did do it in Shaun of the Dead, where like at the very end, they had like the zombies be like grocers <laughs> and like pushing carts, but they were on like chains. It's fantastic. Well, what I think is funny is there's like an evolution of zombie where I feel like when we were younger or earlier mythology of like a zombie, it was more like an evil or like a spirit or some like undead thing. Whereas, mm -hmm. and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this was back in the day they did it in sci-fi, but it's very much more like biological disease. And so it's interesting that these different shows, video games, whatever, do a different take. Yeah. And I do appreciate one where it is, you know, mushrooms taking over the body because, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know I'm not the only one that's had mushrooms take over their body before. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? High five. Yep. No. <laughs> Buddy Garrity, too soon. He gets done dirty. 
She <laughs> runs out of that house. She is chased. So we do establish these are moderately fast zombies. Is mm-hmm. this? These are runners. You for have, sure. Okay, these are runners. Got it. Mm-hmm. And who shows up but Handsome Joel? And he uses that pipe wrench with deadly efficiency, which I've <laughs> got to think is the first weapon in the game you're given. Is that? <laughs> is that? This seems very much a video game thing. Yeah, he's he's not actually a plumber like trying to save a princess. He like a lot of what you do is <laughs> pick up two by fours, crowbars, wrenches, and you use those as kind of your early melee weapons in the game. So again, cool little nod to the to the game for sure. I didn't appreciate, and this is something that's always bothered me in shows, how quickly he uses it once and drops it. I'd be like, <laughs> yeah. hey, it worked once, and it's not out of wrenches, <laughs> so let's keep using that wrench. It's unlimited wrenching ability, <laughs> unlike a gun. <laughs> Touche. Then we're on the run. We're off like a gun. I feel like I shouldn't have made that rhyme, but I did. Two things <laughs> here. I feel like you have enough time to go into your house and grab supplies. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm the only one with a zombie bug out bag in their house that is just ready to go all the time. <laughs> I also felt like Zombieland, the movie which I really do love and appreciate, came into play where came into play here where he has the rules about like seat belts and speed <laughs> limits are necessary yeah. because you're more it's funny, it's like you're more likely to die not wearing your seatbelt than you are from a bite to the neck. Something along <laughs> those lines. Yeah. So when they take off, I was just like guys seatbelts speed limits like let's take our time let's be methodical Uh, but from a show perspective it's great because we're just like it's chaos shot really well Mm -hmm. a lot of fun stress if fun stress is a thing and then (laughs) hey absolute chaos and this was this scene is just so familiar for those that played the game like even the dialogue is beat for beat from the game and these scenes the way they go by the burning house the way they see uh, uh, somebody on the side of the road that has a kid and he says they gotta you know we also have a kid somebody else will pick him up straight from the game Um, and I love the way this is shot because it's shot like a video game right you're getting it from Sarah's perspective kind of in the back seat and that's how it is in the game you're able to kind of move left and right as her in the back seat and kind of see this whole craziness unfold. In the game, you don't just play one character. You swap between character perspectives. Is that yeah, correct? Yeah, you start this game playing as Sarah. Like, okay. Um, giving, having a little party bit um, or, or giving the president of the watch to the dad. Really, you see the pandemic through her eyes. Okay. And so you then obviously complete the game as Sarah. Okay. Got it. Mm, got it, got it, got it. We'll, we'll get there. If you have a short attention span like me. <laughs> I've only I've only beaten like three video games in my lifetime, and I can only name maybe one or two of them. So that uh, third one's questionable. We are then in town, I guess, and I think we're Texas. I think they mentioned like San Antonio or something, or maybe I'm completely making this up. I felt no, I think like you're right. They were yeah. Texas. Mm-hmm. We have a plane crash, which looks great, leads to a car crash, which looks rough. Um, in terms of the passengers involved, not that it's not shot well. The moment where the two cars, so they drag themselves out of the car. Mm -hmm. Sarah's wounded. She's got an ankle thing. I think she, turf toe, I think is what they call it. (laughs) Yeah. And her and Joel are on one side. Tommy's on the other. The two cars are separating them. This is such a classic video game thing of like, (laughs) hey, we got separated. I'm on this side. You're on that side. I can shout to you. But we have to meet up at the end of the level. 
Mm-hmm. I was like, wait, let's take a moment. There's no way to get around these two cars. These two cars have blocked us off completely. I know they're on fire, guys, but we can't because Tommy's got that hunting rifle. I don't really want to separate myself from that hunting rifle. I left my pipe wrench in the yard. Anyways, this leads to a very cool foot chase. Once again, these zombies are runners. Mm-hmm. And then we run into a U.S. soldier. Mm-hmm. And... My only gripe here, Tom, is how quickly we have devolved into, like, this is only, what, we're 12 hours into this, six hours into whatever this is, right? It hasn't mm-hmm. been that long since the first biting, I'm assuming. Well, in this town, yes, but we've already gotten the idea of, like, it's already been happening in Jakarta and around the world, so I, the assumption would be the military knows more than than we know at this point, which is why he's getting these <laughs> orders. Listen, I guarantee that guy does not know more than the people on the ground. <laughs> the Just, individual, no. The, the, the scuttlebutt has not reached him. But <laughs> the quickness in which uh, on the radio they're like, listen, just shoot them all. We'll figure this out later. You probably won't get court-martialed or stand trial for this. <laughs> and this guy decides to shoot a civilian is, uh, I mean, just just real quick. I don't know. Mm. Um, but uh, Uncle Tommy's quicker, you know, which is nice because yes. he gets in there. So that's something. Well, and I think this, I mean, I know we're kind of joking around a little bit about levity, but, you know, they showed earlier that Tommy was a, a better in himself. So him having to make that decision to, you know, shoot one of his brothers in arms, I guess, for lack of a better word, um, to be able to save Joel and, and Sarah here. It's just, it's brutal. Yeah, it is brutal. I mean, this whole thing is brutal. This is I'm trying to make light of a very <laughs> rough scene, but yeah, I just <laughs> I maybe my outlook on humanity and civilization is brighter than what the show is, but we devolve <laughs> yeah. into eating and shooting each other super super quick. But I guess I've watched Black Friday videos where people are trying to get television, <laughs> so maybe I should tailor my expectations. Mhm. Unfortunately, during this, Sarah is hit, and she goes to sleep, and it seems necessary for the plot of this show, but uh, talk me through video game. Is this what happens? I mean, it is from how the soldier, what what he says, what he's told over the radio, Tommy coming to save the day, uh, Joel crawling over to Sarah um, as she dies. I mean, it is all straight from the game, and even knowing that it was coming this whole time, it just absolutely tore me apart and was so sad. And again, to your point, like obviously they're doing this to kind of help set up and, and give you a backstory and understand how and why Joel does the things that he will eventually do. But man, my gosh, did they do such a good job of capturing this moment. And it was, it was brutal and it was, it was terrible. Yeah. Not fun to watch. Pedro Pascal does a great job. Uh, Sarah does a great job. I really, I don't know. I'm going to go back to that U.S. soldier. Radios are really dicey. You know, that guy (laughs) on the other line might have been like, hey, yeah, shoot him over to your Humvee and then shoot him over to me. And then uh, he's like, yeah, shoot him over to headquarters. And uh, it kept cutting out and it was just like, shoot him, shoot him. He's like, wait, what, sir? And he's like, yeah, shoot him over to to McDonald's. Get him something to eat and then we'll take him over. Shoot him over there. And uh, unfortunately, that's why you have to be clear, concise, and short on a radio. Over. Mm. Anyways, did I catch a niner in there? (laughs) Calling from a (laughs) walkie-talkie? All right. Yeah. 
Sorry, I'm trying to make the sad parts happen. No, Tom. it's understandable, man. It's it's it was brutal. But yeah, so that is for lack of a better word, the prologue of, of the game here. And then we get the the 20 year time jump and we're in Boston. And so at this point, are they like insert more, more coins? It's like, you have to pay <laughs> like 50 more cents. Oh, I bet this is probably like a dollar game though, right? You got to put a dollar in, in order to continue the story. Have you played modern video games, Julian? Um, you pay describe... all of your quarters up front. Just call 600,000 of them, whatever they are nowadays. <laughs> so many quarters, <laughs> so many quarters. Anyways, we're 20 years later. Boston, Massachusetts, USA. Is it USA anymore? That's a that's an interesting question. Oh, oh, look at you! (laughs) Look at you! All right, well, duly noted. Listen, if there's no (laughs) USA anymore, Tom, I don't want to live in this world. That's where I'm at, right? You, I'm surprised. You, no, I got to get through it three times. Don't interrupt. USA. There, there's three. Now you can talk. Oh, the genie appeared. Hello, Uncle Sam. Go ahead. I thought it was, was going to be George Bush that appeared. I figured you would have brought that George up during w. flashbacks. George W. How are? Well, George. Oh, I guess George Bush Senior could appear, but then that's a ghost. Anyways, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was. That wasn't going to be my point. That, that because it took place in 2003 when they're at the school, they show the clock, and then there's the picture of George W. on the wall. I think even later, we, uh, when they're in the quarantine zone, we get a, a T-shirt. It's like Lieberman Gore, which is also <laughs> kind of right. funny. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so we're in Boston, a long way from Texas. We have a little boy in very distinct shoes, wanders into uh, like a quarantine town. He's stopped by SWAT team members. Once again, you can stop me if there's terms for all <laughs> these people, but... From an outsider, this how it this is how it looked. Uh, the young man needs a haircut, and ooh, they just really the. I guess this is a hey, twenty years of living with this. They have to be this brutal, and so I do not uh, envy the police officer ha- has to do this. But uh, the little thermometer, I don't know, COVID reader thing uh, goes red mm-hmm. and she starts making that kid a lot of promises and i was like oh this kid he's gonna red means good he's gonna get a lot of toys his favorite <laughs> food and he's dead yeah did you pick that up because i wasn't sure like i knew exactly what they were doing with like the red light but did you pick that up when the red light came on like that is the reader that is oh like, okay, yeah, this yeah, kid's yeah. Infected. Okay. yeah 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 when the, yeah. and listen as someone who has often been looked in the eye by an adult and said listen you're a good boy and you're gonna get all the toys you deserve and (laughs) once dad gets his cigarettes he's gonna come back like i just immediately (laughs) knew all of these were lies so yeah i Mm -hmm. i knew what was happening and this is an ad from the game because we don't get they they do some of this where they kind of show us the idea of like the red versus green and being able to test and all of this is really do give us the moment at the end of the episode where Ellie kind of tests red as well but but very good addition and all of this kind of culminates right with with Pedro getting or not Pedro Joel um, taking the body out of the truck because the woman couldn't do it and sees it as a kid and it just shows us that you know, Joel is just, you know, dead inside. Like he sees this, this kid and has no hesitation to throw him in the fire and do kind of what needs to be done here. Right. Uh, just, it's just, he's doing his job in order to get mm-hmm. the weird credits or cash. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, they do that well. Yeah. 
And this actually, again, listening to the, the showrunners talk through this a little bit, this was how they were going to end the first episode with this little bit right here. Um, and then decided like, hey, maybe we shouldn't end the very first episode of this big television show with like two horrible kids, uh, you know, dying in these terrible circumstances. The deaths uh, being horrible, kinda... not the kids being horrible is, <laughs> yeah. is I believe, kids what you mean. Fine. Sure, the kids are fine. <laughs> yes. They're okay. Um, yeah. So they, they added to this and kind of got this, this super cut episode since this one was close to what an hour and a half, but definitely needed. And I'm glad they kept going with it. Yeah, no, that's a sad <laughs> that is a that is a sad and brave way to start a show uh but i think you would have had a lot of people popping out uh and, yeah. and not joining for episode two so mm-hmm. that is interesting to know we then kind of see life inside is this called like the quarantine zone is that what we're gonna yeah. call it run by called fedra QZ. Mm-hmm. And then okay. FEDRA being the Federal Disaster Response Agency. So for lack of a better deal, they're like the government that's still sure. trying to keep some semblance yeah. of order and guards and all that kind of jazz. Right. Yep. Big government getting in our business so we can't mm-hmm. have cigarettes. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm, listen, I'd be a, I'm a firefly all the way. Wolverines, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I don't, I don't know if those are similar in terms of whatever. Anyways, Joel's making deal with a guard, and he somehow has drugs. The guard has cigarettes, and don't we know it? Atlanta is where they're making all the pull, pills and bullets, uh-huh, um, yeah. or bullets, as I just tried to <laughs> slur them together. Good job, I Julian. like that. I like that. <laughs> Atlanta, home of the bullets. You have to shoot the pills directly into the zombies' mouth. <laughs> <laughs> pullets the last pill you'll ever take yeah anyways like we've it. got slogans uh also coca-cola uh from atlanta so there yeah. you go a lot of things that are good for you but like atlanta is where the cdc is right so that's yes. i think kind of interesting right that, that, that is where they're not really doing studies on how to save lives they're making pills and bullets yep Having played the board game pandemic during a pandemic, I know that Atlanta is where the CDC is located. Yes. I love his line where he says, I need the bag back. And it's Mm -hmm. just kind of pointing out like resources matter. And I'm assuming this is a game where you're constantly gathering things and using them for different stuff. Am I Mm -hmm. right in kind of the feel of this? Like yeah, when you, you when you look at his living space, it's just like what would seem like trash. But I'm just, no one's manufacturing anything, so I'm assuming they're <laughs> reusing and repurposing everything. Yeah, for sure. Because like I think the idea of the game is like, yeah, you pick up all your ammunition. Like if you just start spraying that on a wall for fun, then you're gonna have a struggle with this game. You you have to do a lot of of searching and opening up a lot of drawers to find stuff. Oh, I love a game where you open drawers. <laughs> I love a game where you hold space bar and just run along the wall looking for the secret passage. That was Wolfenstein. That's the last time I played a game uh, on a computer with MS-DOS. Anyways, he's trying to get a vehicle from the guard, right? That's what he's... He's trying to buy off this guard and his buddies in order to get a vehicle, but mm-hmm. then he knows the vehicle is going to need a battery, which leads yeah. to... Uh, some other stuff and so from there we're introduced because there's just stuff on the walls like hey look towards the light slogan Mm. slogan (laughs) like yay freedom we're freedom fighters and these freedom fighters are the fireflies and these fireflies i believe tama did some research on them they're a (laughs) band of space cowboys 
They're led by a charismatic Captain Reynolds and created by one Yo Sweden. Is that how you say his name? I believe. Is, I mean, am I they right? Did share a title, but I think that is the start and end of it. This is a different Firefly. I think you went down a wrong Google rabbit hole. There's multiple Fireflies. There are yes. Okay. And the Fireflies, like I mean, I know you're joking, but like the, the Firefly name is kind of funny too, or not funny, but the way they tag that into their slogan, right? Well, like kind of look towards the light, and the Fireflies are the ones that are providing the light. It's pretty cool. Sure. No, very cool. Fireflies, super cool. We don't have them where we live, so less cool. But <laughs> I've seen them in person. But when I saw them, they were called lightning bugs. Something totally different. <laughs> lightning we, bugs wouldn't have been nearly as cool. Of a, of a, <laughs> join the lightning bugs. <laughs> Wait, is that one of those things where you earn badges and you like make whittle things? And they're like, no, 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 no. Those are the fireflies. We're the lightning bugs. <laughs> We meet Tess. Talk to me about mm-hmm. Tess, Tom. Is Tess part of the game? Yeah, so she's uh, another integral character that um, they, they do a little bit more here where, you know, it was kind of hinted at them having a relationship in the games, but wasn't kind of explicitly told. Or told. And I think here we, we do kind of see that Tess and, and Joel are more than just friends where she kind of like crawls into the bed and kind of cuddles a little bit, but ultimately just a, another fellow smuggler with Joel. Okay, so there's not a level of the video game where Tess and Joel, how do I say this? Wrestle. Yeah, tussle. (laughs) That's the better way. And you have to hit the right buttons in order to finish the race. Is that? No, that is not this game. This is rated mature for a different reason. Oh, I will not be playing this game. That's where I'm at. We find her in kind of a interrogation almost, or mm-hmm. we'll just interrogation. say... Interrogation. Okay. Not interrogation, but close. Yeah, whatever. I'm not interested <laughs> in saying words right. It feels like family meeting to me. That's what it does. And we find out she wanted the battery, and the battery was sold to someone else. And Robert, who... I don't know if he's going to be long with us. I don't feel like he is is worried that he seems to be very worried about joel so which Mm -hmm. gives me the indication that joel is uh prone to violence and has uh hit people with wrenches before (laughs) and so she's like listen joel's cool he'll only hit you because he loves you and he won't want retribution for this because i'll tell him we're all good uh, as family meetings typically do, the room explodes from a car bomb and ends the family meeting before anyone can get their allowance, which they earned uh, for their hard work. And Tess is then arrested. And this is I, I, this is like world building in a way that's mm-hmm. not explained. But uh, I don't know. Having seen enough of these shows, I kind of get it. But I do mm-hmm. like how they do all this. It's like, okay, we've got smugglers. We've got like things happening in the background we also have an insurgency we have uh the cops on the street that are the fedra on the street that are Mm -hmm. arresting people um so i I did appreciate this it gave it some levels to what was happening in the show 
Yeah, exactly. And again, they're they're showing you this, right? They're not having a conversation, but like, yeah, these federal agents that are part of the federal government doing blah, blah, blah. And these fireflies are doing blah, blah, blah. Like they do a little bit of that, but they do it very, very well. Sure. We're then introduced to what I assume will be a minor character that will not <laughs> last very long. And we don't need to spend a lot of time on her. But that character is, she calls herself Veronica, but we find out her name is Ellie Williams. Mm-hmm. And she's played by Bella Ramsey. She's being held uh, captive in a room next to a water heater, space heater. I don't know. Those heaters in those rooms, I know, I think I know what they do, but I've never been around them. So, but that's not important. The character's more important than the infrastructure of the house, how it's heated, whether or not the water's warm, whether or not the room is warm. Uh, I digress. Uh, This actress, um, who is Bella Ramsey, uh, Mm -hmm. played Liana Mormont, and Liana Mormont made such an impression on me (laughs) from Game of Thrones. Yes. Uh, She's the last of her name. She is a giant slayer, and she was incredible in that show. And Mm -hmm. so it's fun to see. I don't know that I've seen her anything else. Maybe I have. I don't follow her career. But, mm-hmm. like, I really like this actress. And from a young age, she crushed it in acting. So I hope, and she does great in this. So mm-hmm. I'm excited. I'm excited for Ellie Williams, Liana Mormont, the last of her name. Yeah. And it's good, too, right? Because both of these main characters here, and Pedro and, and Bella, both have kind of their stardom from Game of Thrones and are able to take completely different characters with what how they're playing in, in this and still do a phenomenal job just shows how how good of an actor uh, both of these these uh, individuals are but she is see this was a lot not a controversial right but whenever somebody that has such an affinity for or like a community that has such affinity for these characters every time you hear the casting people are always a little bit suspect and i think there are a lot of people that are probably suspect when they kind of said bella ramsey was going to be ellie for this because ellie does have a very specific personality and she's snarky and she's kind of always keeping people on her toes she's very very smart but kind of tiptoes that line and it's not an easy thing to play and i think she just does it so perfectly and brings this character absolutely to life and i can't wait to see more of her do those people know Liana Mormont stabbed a giant in the eyeball with a dagger? <laughs> like, listen, she's gonna she's gonna do you right, okay? Um, so true. So, true. so we're introduced to her, and we gather that she's currently a prisoner of this insurgency, the Fireflies. Mm-hmm. Um, we cut from there. We meet the radio message guy, who I'm assuming is just rolling in dough because there are people <laughs> lined up down the hall in order to send radio messages to uh, maybe not always to Wyoming, but other parts (laughs) of the country because there's no cell phones. Um, Pretty soon someone's going to create a thing called electric mail where they'll be able to send letters (laughs) via something called the World Wide Web. Mm. And, man, these people are in for some fun. They'll have a pen pal named Jelly Bean. (sighs) That'll turn out poorly. (laughs) Anyways, I'm not going to go into it. Sorry, I'm projecting a little bit on this show. But we find out that Joel, who cuts the line, and I don't like line cutters, so this is actually where I turned on Joel, and I do not like him anymore. Uh, But he's trying to reach Tommy, who is in Wyoming. Mm -hmm. And so this kind of puts us on the path of Joel is going to leave town in order to get to Tommy, who he hasn't heard from in a number of weeks. That's the kind of going ticking talk 
clock. Yeah, I think the assumption here is what they kind of say that Tommy and, and Joel still actively talk, even though we find out a little bit later when he has that conversation with Marlene that he kind of feels that Marlene and the Fireflies kind of turn Tommy against him. So they're not probably in the greatest of terms, but they still do talk. And in this sequence, we find out that they haven't talked for the last three weeks and Joel is very concerned. Sure. Because they typically do Wordle once a week together, yes. <laughs> and they haven't been doing Wordle together, so he's upset. Yeah. Tom, we used to do Wordle, Wordle together every day. What happened to us? Where know, did man. you go? I ran out of five-letter words. Oh, man. Wordle's great. Once again, if you're listening to this in 2050, ooh, look up <laughs> Wordle. It'll have a Wikipedia page, I'm sure. One John Wordle created the, gre- the best game ever made. <laughs> from this scene we have tess and joel uh reconnecting she looks great he looks great and they decide she's like listen i promised him you wouldn't go after him but i'd really love it if you'd go after him and we so need great. to go get that car battery and this is like i don't know in a world like this i would assume you've got to kind of be this cutthroat in order to mm-hmm. make things happen well, especially for these people, right? Like they're smugglers. They're they're not taking any guff. They they know what to say to get in and out of situations. <laughs> Are people still saying not taking any guff, Tom? Do you? I mean, you say that unironically, so I guess I'm gonna assume. I'll or is that back. just is that the lo, or is that the um, tagline for this game, The Last of Us? <laughs> we don't take no guff. And you're like, all right, we ain't afraid of no ghosts. <laughs> no ghosts. There it is. <laughs> We have uh, Marlene talking with uh, her, like, second-in-command, and it's like, listen, we're bombing all these places because we don't want uh, Fedra here, mm-hmm. and Fedra seems like a pharmaceutical company. I'm just going to say it. Like, <laughs> oh, Fedra made the new vaccine. Like, that's what it <laughs> sounds like to me. But talking with her, so she's like, listen, we're taking that girl. We're leaving Boston. We're never looking back. We're taking the midnight train. We're going anywhere. And then we go from there to Marlene and Ellie having a nice moment where she gives her back her backpack. And as one does, she gives this teenager back her switchblade, which is very important. Yeah, I mean, in this world, everybody needs her switchblade. But Marlene is a, a fantastic character. And this is the only character that is the same voice actor to actually portray her character on screen. Interesting. Yeah. Do you know what the actor that looks like, I'm sorry, the actor that plays Joel, do you know what he looks like in real life and why he didn't get the part? Well, I mean, the guy's name is Troy Baker, and he's an incredibly handsome and talented uh, man in his own right that probably could have played the role, but I think they might have wanted somebody a little bit more recognizable and in the fame that uh, Pedro has. Mm, and just with that being Troy said, Baker. Pedro crushes it. Justice yeah. for Troy Baker. I love a good switchblade. I wish I had one. I wasn't allowed one as a child. Um, for some reason, my parents thought it was not a good thing to carry around. Um, <laughs> but I learned to dance fight because of it. So that's something. Well, the interesting thing, and, and we'll obviously get to it as we get to the show, but some of the cool concepts here is, you know, she is, I don't know exactly how old she is in here. We'll just call her 15 or whatever. Like the age of this girl, Ellie, she was born in this world. She mm-hmm. doesn't have any un, like knowledge or understanding of what a quote unquote normal world was. Sure, and th- this is a kid that needs to carry a switchblade. It's a different world than than where she lived. So we see it when she kind of looks through Joel's book here in a bit about the 
the different billboard number one hits. She's very curious about what the world used to be, and it's it's really fascinating. Tom, are you implying that I grew up in a world where I shouldn't have carried a switchblade? Because (laughs) here's the deal, man. When I was a kid and I got one of those toys that was in like that thick plastic where they like soldered all the edges, (laughs) I mean, scissors weren't going to cut it. So that's what my switchblade was for. Getting a beanie baby out of its packaging in order to not cut the tag because it would be worth something. That's what a switchblade is for. So please don't tell me I didn't grow up on the rough streets that required a switchblade. I'll, I'll I'll wait for your apology. Beanie Babies and Ninja Turtle plastic toys. Got it. Done. Uh, also opening letters. Do you remember letters, Tom? They needed to be open by hand with a blade. Touche. Tess and Joel do some fun little, like, tunnel and this is also part of the show that i appreciate because it's like they don't explain joel and tess's background like as someone who's coming in cold i would venture to say at some point maybe they were part of the fireflies they certainly have been involved in smuggling like they're doing illicit things and that's how they know like where to climb under where to Mm -hmm. go through where to find the tunnels all those things so at no point do I feel like they have a conversation that's like, hey, remember where we were running drugs through that tunnel? Oh, yeah, that would be perfect for... Like, they don't do that. They're just like, mm-hmm. hey, we know where to go in order to get to certain places we're not supposed to be. They do have the moment where they come upon the guy that needs to eat a cheeseburger. He's splattered against the wall. I think he's going to be okay. <laughs> um, but I, is that like the end? Is that what the fun guys end like stage looks like? Is that what happens when they're done? Or was this not part of the game? Yeah, so this is the the, the kind of visual you see here of, of somebody just plastered against a wall and the fungus kind of going everywhere. This kind of introduces that idea of the spores. So when the fungus is kind of done with somebody and it can't control them anymore, it will more or less move the spores and, and push the virus as much as it can to, to other people. So in the game, you would walk up to that hit triangle in order to loot whatever is stuck <laughs> to the wall. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Anyways, they hit X, they go through a hatch, and they find themselves (laughs) in a hallway where a shootout has gone bad. We see uh, Beardy McBattery Steeler dead on the floor, (laughs) and they have a conversation with Marlene about Ellie, who we meet, and it's Joel and Tess trying to decide whether or not they want to accept the escort mission Mm -hmm. on level three of the last of us this is such a cool introduction of these characters together which i think is very similar to what happens in the game where ellie and joel start their relationship with ellie trying to stab him um but he just takes her and throws her against the wall it's it's just so so great for people that have seen and know the game um to see their relationship like start here uh it's it's great and then the way they shot it was was brilliant right and they have kind of a lining up of motivation here. He's trying mm-hmm. to get to Wyoming. They need Ellie to go wherever. And so it's, hey, we need to get a vehicle. Oh, a vehicle has presented itself. So they are going to take care of themselves uh, in the same line, escort Ellie. So they decide to do that. But before they can leave the QZ zone, they've got to wait till dark. So they go and have the great, Let's hang out in the apartment and, you know, meet each other, show each other pictures of the kid that they just had that they're never going to see again. 
you know, that sort of moment. This is fun too. I, I think, especially for the video game audience, to see this banter with with Ellie and Joel and how she's, you know, kind of cracking his music code and, and messing with him and just her snarky comments. It's it's great. Um, she mentions that like Frank and Bill. I think those were the names that were listed on his little uh, kind of cheat cheat code thing. Which again is another nod to the game because you by pick the up radio. A lot of, you mean? Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. About what the different genres of or, or decades of songs, what they mean. Um, and her kind of figuring that out was cool. And again, nod to the game because you pick up a lot of notes that say, hey, this safe in this convenience store has this code. And then when you pick that up, then you can go open that safe. So it's the idea of you kind of finding these codes and different notes throughout. Because a lot of these notes that you pick up through the game help tell a lot of this backstory. And I don't think this is a spoiler by any means, but like Frank and Bill, these two characters, um, these have been casted in the show and, and we're going to see them later. Wonderful. I do appreciate she walks in and she's like, hey, your watch is broken. What a jerk move, you know? (laughs) Well, that's, again, it's a very pivotal thing, right? Because it was this uh, present from his daughter clearly means a lot to him. And then the fact that it's kind of broken here is, you know, again, signifying the moment that Joel's life really stopped and stood still. Right. So he kind of continues to wear it to never forget her. Sure. No. Well, that's a sad thing to think about. Thanks for bringing (laughs) me down, buddy. They leave the QZ. It's at night. I think it's raining. It's pretty ominous. Mm-hmm. And they run into a guard peeing on a wall, which he <laughs> is not allowed to do, so they arrest him. Um, <laughs> that's not what happens. The guard turns on them. You know, certain things happen. In the end, we find out that Ellie registers red on the thermometer device, and Joel then gently puts the guard to sleep with his fists i think is the best way for me to describe it but during Mm -hmm. this part we have ellie explaining even though it's red she hasn't shown any symptoms and it was weeks ago i think she says so Mm -hmm. we are finding out that she has immunity to whatever this uh fungi disease is and so Mm -hmm. that is why she is important Mm-hmm. Yes, for sure. Yeah, I don't really know the extent of what why she's being smuggled, but that why that is why like Marlene has um, put all of her eggs in this basket and is trying to get Ellie out of here and has kind of recruited Joel and, and Tess to to take her where they need her to go. Um, one thing I thought was very 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 well shot in this sequence is you know the way Joel ultimately takes out this guard. You know, which it's shot so so similar to the scene we got in in the beginning with Sarah. And now kind of his choice of how he reacts to this, um, where he just bowls him over and just punches the living daylights out of this guy and probably killing him. But the interesting thing, not only is how Joel reacts, but the different reactions from both Ellie and Sarah, whereas Sarah sees this happen and his father wrenched this whole woman and she just tears and is just absolutely destroyed. But because Ellie has grown up in this world when she sees this happen and sees Joel kind of defend her, she leans into it and she's like, I don't know, it's like drawn to it. It's just such a fascinating kind of character arcs and developments of these two young girls that are growing up in completely different worlds. Sure, sure. The world looks bleak, Tom, because we are (laughs) leaving the QZ zone into what I would describe as a world that a uh, dragon created in a Matthew McConaughey and Christian Bale movie. Uh, It is very bleak, 
And they do a quick cut here back to the radio, and the radio's playing. And this mm-hmm. comes into play with the, the code that she somehow figured out. Yeah, we get the song of the radio. I think it's Depeche Mode, Never Let Me Down Again. Um, so 80s song, so we know, okay, something's going on on the other end of this radio. There's something bad happening. Um, and, and I don't know a lot of the details. I won't go through it, but um, there is apparently some some parallels with the lyrics, both um, Joel and Ellie and, and kind of how their relationship kind of forms and everything that you can draw from just this first episode. So if, if you have an interest, you can kind of go look at it. But I think the, the showrunners were very specific with choosing this this song. And I wouldn't be surprised if it even comes back. Sure, sure. I think they were choosing between this and the everybody was kung fu fighting song okay. those were their two choices and i thought you're gonna go rick astley uh, no i would never uh do that to people uh i know that is a common prank and i would never let people down like that so i enjoyed this it was an hour and 30 minutes it seemed to go by quick uh, it's pr- a pretty <laughs> From going from 1899 to this, it's pretty straightforward. Um, <laughs> but there's something to be said about a show that is just well shot, well acted, looks mm-hmm. good, and can engage you with like the right pacing to know, okay, you know, this is going to be a journey. We're going from A to B. We've got a little bit of an escort mission on our hands with Ellie. And it's going to be how, you know, initially these three kind of develop relationships with. And so mm-hmm. I'm extremely interested. Uh, I don't have a whole lot of theorizing because I don't mm-hmm. think there's a lot of questions. You know, no. we kind of yeah. know what's what's happening, but mm-hmm. uh, it certainly is well done and, and fun to watch. So mm-hmm. I'm excited to continue the journey to Wyoming, which I'm assuming is where we're going. (laughs) And for you, as a guy that loved the video games and was excited about this, I'm hoping, did it did it tickle your wisdom teeth in the way you (laughs) wanted the show to? I'm assuming that's a pretty common phrase for those of Mm -hmm. us in the dental industry. Did it uh did it tickle you in the right way? That's not the Well, I don't think I have any wisdom teeth anymore. I'm pretty sure I got them all pulled, but it did tickle my fancy. Um it was great. Like this this I I even contemplated picking up and replaying the game because I was just so excited about this. But I'm I want to be able to experience the show and and the story that they're going to tell. But I will likely pick this up and, and play it again because it's just it's it's such a brilliant adaptation of the work. And again, we're only one episode in. I don't know exactly where they're going, but I'm Wyoming. assuming they're going to stay. <laughs> yeah, but I'm assuming they're going to stay pretty close to, to the story because there isn't a need to really jump too far because the source material is just that good. And knowing all these beats that are going to be coming up, it's just, it's great. And and I'm, I'm so excited to be doing this with you because getting your perspective as somebody that has no idea of any of the source material, um, it's fun. It's fun to kind of watch it through your eyes. And I'm doing the same with my wife because she might have watched me play a little bit of this video game in the past when I did play it a handful of years ago. But all of this is, is new to her as well. Uh, it's a fun show. And it's also fun to watch a show that releases weekly. And we don't just binge it. Like we can talk about it. We can digest it and have conversations um, it's it's a lot more entertaining, I think, in the long run. I'm sorry, you're married? I am. I am. Okay. I didn't tell you? I invited you to the wedding, but you didn't Ooh. come. <laughs> <laughs> oh, unkind. Unkind. 
Uh, don't make me feel guilty. All right. Um, for those of you that are still with us, we appreciate it. We uh, like going from show to show and taking on different, I don't know, mediums. They're not all the same, and yeah. uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing where this one goes, and, and it gives me something to do uh, Sunday evening, that's for sure. <laughs> Um, so we appreciate you joining us. You can, uh, write us or hit us up at team binge podcast at gmail.com. We do really appreciate those of you that write us. Uh, we've got some great people that we've met through the internet. Um, just like jelly bean when I was a child. <laughs> Anyways, you can also Tom, tell them what are the other things that they can reach out to us on? Yeah. You can find us at, team binge on twitter and instagram or team binge podcast on instagram but yeah continue the conversation there this is a fun show we're all watching this together episode by episode so let us know what you think we try to be active it's a fun community to be active with um i've been pretty active on twitter it's fun to see people's reaction uh, again it's, it's just a fun show and, and we love to you know the reason we do this podcast is obviously just for ourselves, and it's fun to hang out with a friend and talk through a show. Uh, the fact that we've got people that listen to us and enjoy it and engage with us, it just makes it all that much more fun. So we appreciate the community we've uh, been able to develop. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, Barrett, have fun in Arizona. Uh, for those <laughs> of you that love board games, we've got a buddy named Seth who uh, is into that stuff. You can find him if you go through our Twitter. But great dude. And then uh, John out there in Pineville. Hope you're taking care of yourself. We like to finish very um, frequently. Actually, we've never missed an episode where we've talked about other media that we're consuming. Uh, this is something that uh, traditionally, once again, in all uh, 400 of our podcasts, we've talked about this. Uh, but Tom, other than The Last of Us and This Is Us, uh, is there a piece of media that you're enjoying right now that you'd like to recommend or, uh, you know, throw out to the audience? Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm definitely late to the party on this one. And it pains me to say that even though Netflix did cancel AT99 and it's not getting a second season, um, I did pick up another Netflix show called Wednesday, uh, which follows kind of the young Wednesday Adams and, and kind of tells the Adams family story from her perspective. It's very much kind of like a teenage drama, but it's a lot of fun and it's shot really well. Um, and the main actress that plays Wednesday is just phenomenal. And it's got some fun cameos. Even Christina Ricci, who is probably our Wednesday Adams from our generation uh, from the Adams Family movies, she uh, plays a character in it. So a lot of fun. And I would definitely recommend that as well. Wonderful. Wonderful. How about yourself, my man? Um, well, you recommended The Patient, which is on Hulu, which is, listen, if you watch The Last of Us and The Patient together, ooh, it's dark. <laughs> the world's dark and it's bleak. Uh, but the nice thing about The Patient is it's about 22 minutes an episode. So you can <laughs> really crush that show quickly. Um, but really the thing I want to recommend the most is I think they released two more episodes of Bluey uh, for the third season of Bluey. <laughs> Nice. Um, listen, watch The Last of Us, The Patient, any dark show you want, but finish with Bluey and you will just feel better about the world and, <laughs> uh, cannot recommend that show enough. The best thing about Bluey is it's seven minute episodes. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it sounds like a theme here. Oh man. Anyways, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us again for a show. We'll be through... 
here to Wyoming. I'm assuming. Oh, Tom, I should have asked you this. So you completed this game, right? You got all the mm-hmm. way to Wyoming. Sure. Well, I can't say where and when I got to places. Mm, giving us Good a little try, bit of clue there. Okay, so you <laughs> did. So were you the top scorer when you got to Wyoming? I'm assuming this is a game where scores uh, matter. No, my brother ASS is still number one. <laughs> all right uh with that i have been julian <laughs> and i've been tom we'll see you next week everybody